Hey everybody, welcome to Beer People. I'm Matt Prince. And I'm Chris Horn. And we're, and we're Beer People. Beer People. Yeah. Still no. Still no. No, I mean, not, not yes, but yeah. not no. Yeah, definitely neither. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm like pretty pumped about how close we're getting. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if it's going to be asymptotic, though. Like, will we ever actually reach it? Or are we, is this a Sisyphean kind of feat? But I'm excited Ooh. to for the ride. Did you just bring up Sisyphus? Wow. We're <laughs> going places with this podcast. We're right? going places. Yeah, we're elevating Sisyphus the, has the made lexicon. The podcast. <laughs> Chris, it's good to see you, pal. You too, man. You too. I'm uh I'm pretty excited about today. Um I'm pretty excited about our guest. I selfishly I'm excited because the, our guest today is in terms of someone who works at a brewery the farthest from where we are that I've ever talked to. Um on the last podcast I talked to Sarah Erdlin who is a Cicerone out in Wisconsin. Um so that was I'm, the farthest I'm giggling I to, to myself about your podcast. I know, I know my podcast. Yeah. And yes. then but then now, yeah, that my Delco accent. But then yeah. now uh, we are talking to someone uh, out in Pittsburgh today, Chris, uh, a beer mecca that I have wanted to explore that you recently explored. I did, yeah. Pittsburgh is an awesome city. It was right from the first approach when I was driving there. You kind of come out of the tunnel and you see a bunch of bridges and water and beautiful cityscape. And it's a great brewery city. I had the pleasure of visiting a few of them. Um, unfortunately, not Necromancer, so I'm super excited for our guests today. Because they have a unique approach to things. Necromancer takes its name from the type of mythical wizard that can communicate with the dead or even raise the dead. And their approach is that in addition to making the traditional styles, they also will resurrect extinct styles of beer. She was actually kind enough also to send us a gift in the mail. Yeah, you know, there are a lot of breweries out there that um, they keep their product in-house or very local, uh, Necromancer being one of them, being a very young brewery. And um, our guest today, Lauren Hughes, sent us out a mixed four-pack. We're each going to get a uh, West Coast IPA and then a, hib a hibiscus grisette, which was a collaboration with Shipbottom. And I don't know if Lauren knows, and I am so excited to bring it up, that Ship Bottom's owner, head brewer, Rob Zarko, um, he lives in my neighborhood, which is pretty cool. So I look forward to bring him up. I'm not sure if he was on the project or if their new um, brewer, Hannah Goad, was on the project. But I'm really excited to uh, talk to her about that. Um, Pittsburgh, yeah, you know, I've heard there are so many great breweries popping up in Pittsburgh. So many that have been doing it for a bit now, uh, you know, talking about like, Brew Gentlemen and their very uh, well-known Braddock IPA and Dancing Gnome and Church Brew Works and Cinderlands and Hitchhiker. There, there are like staples out there, um, including uh, kind of like a institution out there, Penn Brewery, which is where Lauren, our guest today, cut her teeth. So I'm really excited to talk to her about that. Um, and also just looking forward to talking to her about a lot of what she's doing in terms of the uh, the social issues in the brewing industry out there, she's been very um, active and she's doing a lot of really great things that I can't wait to pick her brain about. And um, so this, for me, is something that I've been looking forward to. It's been circled on my calendar. I'm really pumped. Yeah, absolutely. And to touch on two additional things, one about the city in Pittsburgh, shout out to the city of Pittsburgh, because they are also home to a beer festival that you and I have talked about going to. Uh, with a few of our friends called the Barrel and Flow Festival, which celebrates Black-owned craft breweries and other crafts, as far as I understand it. Um, and the second shout-out also to Lauren from Necromancer, our guest, for not only mailing those beers, though, but mailing them while keeping the temperature cold by sending them to you in the appropriate packaging with, like, ice, right? Yeah, yeah. It's in one of those styrofoam, like, cooler bins with, with the ice packs, I was really worried because I forgot to tell my wife that these beers were coming and that she should put them in the in the fridge when they got there because I wanted to make sure they were cold for the recording. I got home, I like whipped the box open like a kid on Christmas, and there they were. It was like, oh, like I think I heard the angels sing because there was this beautiful four pack still like 
almost as if it had just been canned or just like taken from their beer cooler and it was ready to go. So I'm really excited. Chris, before we uh, welcome Lauren in, let's, uh, our obligatory, what are we drinking? Um, what are you drinking today on this? We, we are recording on 420. So um, I'm, I'm interested to see if maybe I have something that slightly has to do with it. So what are you drinking today? Well, and as a note for the listeners who can't see us right now, we're, I'm rocking a, a tie-dye microphone brewing uh, t-shirt in the spirit of the day. Uh, and I am drinking something that is not uh, a celebration of today's holiday, but is a, a good beer nonetheless. It's one that I brewed um, with New Hobby Brewing Company. Be on the lookout. Uh, we've <laughs> brewed five beers and three of them were bad. So get ready. Uh, hey, Chris, in, is... baseball, in baseball, you'd be hitting 400 right now. Two of five is 400, which that, we're talking about like Ted Williams territory. That's the spirit. That's yeah. the spirit. And this uh, bad Larry here is a black IPA I'm calling Spoopy Cat IPA that I brewed uh, on Halloween. And I'm thinking of like the black IPA as like an IPA disguised as a stout, you know, costume kind of theme. And what are you drinking today? Well, first of all, Chris, very clever on the name, very clever on the concept. Cool. I'm drinking from uh, Double Nickel. Uh, they're super mega dank 420 chronic kush grand daddy supreme which is a beer that they release every year around this time it gets a lot of play around this holiday it's got this really kind of tripped out can where if you look at it too long you start you know pondering your life and um it is quite the dank beer and it's very delicious and i'm glad i finally um, decided to purchase a can and enjoy it on this day um yeah, so of course I'm gonna crack open one of Lauren's beers when we have her on. I'm just really excited to talk to her and I don't wanna wait any longer. So without, I always mess this up, without further adieu, 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 adieu. I don't know, adieu. Adieu would be like saying goodbye to someone. Yeah, adieu. Yeah. I, I've learned A-D-I-E-U, that from Sound of Music. Yeah. Well, anyway, let's welcome Lauren Hughes to Beer People. Well, Lauren, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Well, so I'm, I was saying before you came on how excited I am because for many reasons. One, because I've always been really fascinated with the Pittsburgh brewing industry, uh, f- Pittsburgh brewing community. And another, because I'm an avid reader, follower of hop culture. And when I saw a couple local-ish, you know, being in the same state as us breweries to show up on the best new breweries of 2021, including yours and a good friend brewery of yours, Trace, I was thrilled. And instantly my desire to come out to Pittsburgh and, you know, inspect the scene went, you know, multiplied tenfold, like, you know, to the power of 10, you know, I was very excited. And um, so I'm, I'm really excited to hear about, uh, you know, the Pittsburgh beer scene and what you guys are doing over there. So, you know, really cool to talk to you. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, the the hop culture thing was very unexpected, and I'm not gonna say it wasn't it wasn't super cool. Um, yeah, to to start a brewery and get that, it's like oh wow. And then to see Trace on there, also they are great friends and a, just a kick ass brewery. They're doing great things over there, and uh, to see them also get that, I was like okay, sweet. Um, so yeah, crazy. Oh, where are like it sounds like it was a surprise to you to end up on the list. And I've always wondered, like, how does hop culture or anybody else send folks? Are they on like, you know, secret shopper missions where they don't declare themselves? Or is it kind of a thing where they make it known when they arrive and say, we're considering you for this? I had no idea. I literally had no idea until uh, it got posted. And I don't know who told me. I think it might have been Ben. He was like, holy shit. (laughs) I was like, oh, my God, what? Um, so yeah, I don't know if they like have secret shop. I didn't know of any of this. Um, so maybe, uh, and I just didn't know. Um, but yeah, I had no idea. There was no like, Hey, you're going to be featured in this. There was nothing until the, the article came out. So it was like, it was like a super crazy thing. It was like when I was working at rock bottom and we got a silver medal at GABF, I was at the Renaissance fair 
And like, I got all these texts that were like, congrats. And I was like, for what? (laughs) (laughs) It was one of those moments where I was like, what? You know, Kenny Gould, the, uh, you know, the head of hop culture, the creator of hop culture, I'm sure he, uh, you know, being, you know, in Pittsburgh and from Pittsburgh, he, he really has his finger on the pulse of your city and the beer community that has been established. And it's quite the brewing community. Um, Can you talk a little bit about what it means to be a head brewer in that community and talk a little bit about where you cut your teeth? And then, Uh, yeah, I'm Oh, At the end of that answer, sorry, Lauren, can you also, there's one detail I just don't want to forget. Can you also tell us about the Ren Fair you were at and like yeah. whether you were in costume? And I feel like yeah, that's a side tangent yes, we, we need to know. go down. I'll start with that. I was not in costume. Uh, I did have uh, my best friend had was visiting from Milwaukee. Uh, he had made me this drinking horn with like a leather holster. That's the only thing I had. That's the only thing I had. It was the, it was the Pittsburgh Renaissance Fair. Um, and I was with a friend of mine and we were just, you know, goofing off. It was like the Oktoberfest during, which was awesome. I was like, yeah, let's go drink a bunch of Oktoberfest and watch people fight with swords. Um, Great. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I mean, I to be it. a head brewer in Pittsburgh, I, I don't know. That's a kind of a tough question. I think to be a brewer in Pittsburgh, it has, it's great. I mean, I have such a big community uh, of brewing friends and industry friends, not just brewers, but, you know, folks that work in all areas of, of the brewery. Um, and it's a really tight knit group. And, um, you know, I, I feel like I can, I always have somebody I can call and, and bounce ideas from off, off of, or ask questions. Um, I have to kind of give a shout out to Mike from two phrase. Cause he's always my go-to Mike, 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 like Hall's not working. Home. Um, <laughs> And uh, so it's all, it's really nice to be able to have that community, um, you know, and we all get together and it's fun and hang out. Uh, Coven Brewing just opened a couple of weeks ago and, you know, it's just, they hadn't, they had a soft opening for industry folks and it was just nice to have everybody in one room and get to hang out. Cause it's just like, you know, just hanging out with all your buds, um, you know, and, you know, I, so I, I moved to Pittsburgh like eight years ago. I'm, I'm not quite sure. Uh, and I moved for a job uh, at the symphony. I was actually doing music then. And I did that for a couple of years. Uh, before that, I had homebrewed for like 12 years at that point, I think. And I had worked at Sun King Brewery in Indianapolis. I, I loved that job. Uh, I didn't want to leave that job, but I got a job uh, teaching at the university in Indiana, at uh, Indiana University in Indianapolis, uh, teaching music there. And uh, I was doing some stuff for the symphony there as well. Uh, And so I didn't want to leave the the Sun King job. I really loved the brewing, the brewing job. Um, I was doing a lot of, I wasn't brewing there. I was doing a lot of cleaning, a lot of packaging and some tap room stuff. Um, And it was great. So I moved to Pittsburgh and, you know, my heart wasn't really in the symphony thing. So um, it was my wife that was, told me to, to, why don't you do this? You love that job at Sun King. You were so happy. And lucky enough, I was lucky enough to be able to like be like, yeah, I'm going to quit my job and try and cut my teeth on this brewery thing, which, um, which I guess you know it worked out. I'm I'm super pumped to be where I'm at. I, I love the company that I work for now, um, and it's been a fun ride getting to this point. I'm excited to see where we go. Um, yeah, I love I love brewing. I never look back on like the old musical Lauren, <laughs> and uh, it's just great. Yeah. That's quite the industry change. And especially because if you had mentioned that you were at the, you know, professor level and working for a symphony, and it sounds like you're, you had kind of been going in that trajectory and then had picked up beer and maybe made a 90 degree pivot. Um, Was that a, it sounds like you're definitely happy you did it. I would imagine that might've been a risky move to take initially to change industries so much. What did, what was that like? That was a tough a really tough decision because <laughs> I uh, I talked to to Matt at Hot Farm and I was like this is what I want to do and he was like all right well we can have you start working in the tap room so like I was just you know, beer tending so I went from you know managing <laughs> some some programs at the symphony to to bartending which was kind of fun honestly I I enjoy I actually love uh, bartending. It's, it's actually really fun. 
uh, and the money is very good. Um, <laughs> but that was fun, but you know, I really wanted to get in the back. And so it was kind of a, a 90 degree pivot. It was, it was crazy. And there was like, I think six months of me being like, oh, did I mess this up? <laughs> uh, and, but you know, it's stuck and I, I love it. And yeah, I really haven't looked back. Um, and even when I was just, just bartending and like, was the thought of getting uh, in production was there. It wasn't, was enough. I was like, yeah, this is what I want to do. I'm pumped. So. So you worked as a brewer at one of like the, like in my mind, when I think of Pittsburgh and I think of history, the recent history of beer in Pittsburgh, I think of Penn Brewery. Like you just, you can't help but think, you know, they started in 1986 contract brewing elsewhere and then by 1989 opened their own space um talk to us a little bit about what it was like to brew at Penn Brewery and talk about how it is influenced the styles that you're brewing today I know that there's a lot of things that go into the styles of Necromancer but can you just talk about like the German beer styles that you guys uh touch upon and how your work at Penn Brewery brought that up yeah I the job at Penn was was awesome uh it's an old German brew house that they uh, they shipped over in pieces to build it. Uh, it's honestly one of the hardest uh, brew houses I've ever had to work on, um, just because uh, the way it's set up. It's so like, in this room and it's fast and there's everything's hard piped and going like across the room and under the floor. So like being able to see where your your fluid is going, <laughs> you're like I have no idea what's going on. I remember looking at it uh, when I got the job, but I hadn't started working because everything's, it's a big fishbowl. If you haven't been there, like it's all glass. You can see everything that's happening. And I would just like, look at all the stuff and try and figure it out. Um, and the other cool thing was it's all decoction brewing, uh, which I had had no experience doing uh, before that. I hadn't attempted to do that when I was home brewing. Um, and so that being able to learn that style of brewing was awesome. Um, you know, and I, for a lot of people that, say that decoction brewing doesn't really matter, I would argue differently because um, having tasted the beer that we made, um, yeah, it, it totally makes a difference. Um, and it was super cool to do that. And then just be in this, um, so if you don't know, the, the brewery is actually housed in the old um, racking facility of the Everhard Nober uh, Brewery, which is one of the first breweries uh, in Pittsburgh way, way back when. Uh, before the before 1900, I think it's 1890 when yeah. they started. Um, yeah, I read about that a little bit today. Yeah, and they had the they had the caves, so you could like go down like the brew house had stairs down to the patio, and you could just go and see the caves with the old like some of the the casks were still in like, these giant you know, casks that they they conditioned the beer in. Uh, it was it was so cool, you know, and I really enjoyed my time there. I think it was super influential in the beer that I make. Um, because, you know, just learning how to make lagers slow, <laughs> you know, and, and with lots of care and just really um, kind of getting into that did have a, a big influence. Plus, I love lagers. I think every brewer loves lagers, honestly. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it was, it was really cool. And it was awesome uh, because we had the, so it was a 35 hectoliter system that we did most of the brewing on. And then we also had a three barrel kind of pilot system that we did for stuff in the tap room so that was kind of my through the fun stuff and then we did everything else I mean the the biggest beers my favorite beer at Penn is Kaiser Pils that's uh, their German Pilsner uh, you know and we we made a ton of stuff and won some medals and it was you know it's it's a great brewery it was so much history there and just so cool to see uh a system like that and be able to work on one. I mean, the whole panel, uh, the brewing panel is in German. And I was, <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> um, I still don't really know what the words mean. I know what some of them mean, but some of them I didn't know what they like actually translated to. I was just like, yeah, that's lights. And that turns the, the burners on. One is like, I think minimum and one was max. Um, yeah, mash pump so and stuff, so. For for some just real quick for some of our listeners, uh, many of whom we assume will be in the Philadelphia area, um, decoction brewing, think human robot. 
they use decoction brewing with their lagers. So I'm actually wearing the human robot Pilsner shirt right now. So when you were talking hey. about Pilsner, I'm a, a huge lager and Pilsner guy. And um, so for our Philadelphia listeners, when you're thinking about decoction, think human robot. Um, just which, wanted to throw that in. If we can, now I totally know what that means, but let's pretend for a moment that I don't. And really for the sake of the listeners, uh, this is all sarcastic. I don't know what decoction actually entails. Uh, Lauren, can you tell us? <laughs> yeah. So me? what? Okay. Quick interlude here. So Lauren is going to tell you some really cool information, but it does get a little bit technical, technical. So I wanted to give you just a basic rundown of a couple of things that you're going to hear. So the basic way that you make beer is by taking barley, which is a grain like wheat, and you steep it in water and heat it up in various ways and pieces of it separate. You keep some parts of it and you discard other parts. And the part that you keep is called malt. So then the next step is called mashing, which you're going to hear Lauren mention. Mashing is when you mix the malt into water at certain temperatures and the heat breaks down the malt into sugars. I'm skipping some steps here, but basically after that, you boil it and add hops, which give beer certain flavors, and then you add yeast. The yeast eats those sugars that were made during the mash, and when it eats the sugars, ethyl alcohol is produced, which is what gives beer its alcoholic content and light carbonation. Okay, back to Lauren. What, so way back when the, the malts weren't uh, super modified like they are now, so decoction was something you would do to get the most out of the malt. Uh, by heating portions of it up and mixing the heated portions with the big portion to then heat the big portion up. So um, the way that we would do it, uh, and this is all gonna be in Celsius because we use Celsius over there. I'm sorry, I'm not converting to Fahrenheit on the fly is hard for me. Um, but we would usually mash in around um, anywhere from 45 to 60 degrees Celsius. And what that would do, uh, the temperature with the grain in the water at that temperature, what, what it will do is it's called a protein rest, breaks down some of those proteins and allows the enzymes to kind of be activated and gets those proteins out of the way. That also kind of buffers your pH a little bit. And then we would braise it up uh, in the 60s, uh, 70s. And what that's going to do is that is your uh, beta amylase rest. Uh, and what that, that's an enzyme that chops up sugar. Uh, but it chops it up in uh, long chains. Sorry, uh, I got it. I got it wrong. It's alpha amylase. I'm sorry. It's the lower. Rip, rip. Good th uh, the good thing rip. is we we don't have a lot of scientists who listen to this, so you Sweet. could say <laughs> you could almost say anything right now, and we'd be like, yeah. oh wow, okay, yeah. So yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So you're trying to you take the sugar and you chop it in half. Uh, and then we would raise it in the 70s and a little bit above sometimes, depending on where we wanted to go. And that's going to take that long chain that's been chopped in half and it chops in little bits. The reason for that being is um, if you chop that one sugar in half, you kind of have long chain, longer chain sugars and yeast doesn't eat all long chain sugars, like dextrins and stuff they don't want. So if you raise it and, and, and uh, sorry, if you mash lower, it's going to get all the, the little bits. And then when you mash higher, I don't know if you guys know about mashing. Mash higher, you get more body because there's those long chains. Um, so that was that. But then we'd also do a thing where um, you would take a portion of the grain off, okay? So, and just have like this little portion of the grain. Uh, and then we would do what was called a cook. And that's actually, you actually boil the grain, the boiled mash. Uh, and that's where I think like the money ticket is. That's where you're getting all your flavor because that's where you get your Maillard reactions. Um, and then you would take that portion, if you're doing like a single decoct, you would take that portion, put it on the rest. That's going to raise the whole mash up to use your mash out. Uh, and then that, and then, then you're ready to to start uh, running off. But yeah, it's decoction is just, you're just taking portions of the grain uh, and using that, heating that up for, a certain effect, then putting in the rest of the, the pot to heat the rest of it up for a certain effect. And then, yeah, you do cook. And I think the cook is, is the most important part. Um, I actually, it was nice to see, uh, we had uh, Ashley from Beerstadt. I don't know if you guys know Beerstadt out in Colorado. She came and did a talk um, and she even said it. And I was like, I'm right. I knew it. Uh, Cause that was what I always said. I was like, it's that cook, man. The cook is what does it. Like 
raising your mash temperature, you're just, you know, mashing in and, you know, doing those steps. You're just trying to get more sugars out of the grain. Um, but the, uh, that cook is what does the, that's the money ticket uh, right there. So all those Maillard flavors, cool. toast. Not <laughs> complicated at all. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm just glad that I never went into brewing because I'm glad someone else has to make all that happen and not me. And I can still reap the benefits by drinking the beer. Um, yeah. You know, like I, when like I have a shirt from Human Robot that just says decoction, 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 because you know, they do a triple decoction uh, with a lot of their lagers. And I'm like, I love this shirt. I don't know what the hell it means, but I love it. And I'm glad someone's doing it because I think it's a good thing because lagers are great and mm -hmm. it's excellent. So, but now I triple now decoctions. I, those are long brewing days, man. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. Now that Ooh. I hear what goes into a single decoction, yeah, I'm like that. We had like two and three hour mashes. Yeah. Wow. When I got the system at at Necromancer, I was like, everything's moving so fast. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> like, I'm not ready. <laughs> what do you mean it's already time to? Um, <laughs> so. So talk, to, okay, so you, you cut your teeth at Penn Brewery and you were learning single decoction. You're, you're working at, you know, a staple of Pittsburgh's beer scene. And then um, you have uh, kind of like, a, it's almost like a, a setup, you know, you're set up with your, you know, the, your two business partners, ben, ben Butler and Aaron Easler, who are the owners of Necromancer. And Correct me if I'm wrong, because I just read up on this. Did Andrew Witchy in introduce you? Because um, that's what I read. I want to make sure I'm getting it right. So Andrew uh, Witchy, the owner, head brewer of Dancing Gnome. So talk about that and what that was like and how Necromancer came to be. Yeah, it was during the pandemic. Uh, and Andrew texted me and he's like, hey, uh, I have this buddy who's trying to open a brewery and needs a head brewer and I thought you'd be great. Are you interested? And I was like, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I was like, Andrew <laughs> wants to know if I want to be a head brewer. So yeah. Um, and so he connected us, uh, which is, which is great. Um, Andrew's a great guy. Uh, also somebody who's really great about, and somebody I've relied on for questions being answered and just generally good dude. Um, yeah, and so I emailed Ben and we we had a meeting and we, the two of us hit it off. Uh, we had like a little Zoom interview and uh, the two of us hit, up, hit it off and I was like, okay, this sounds dope. Um, you know, tell a brewer that you want them to research old dead beer styles and make them and not make the same five beers every day. And they're gonna be like, okay, yeah, that sounds dope. Um, and yeah, and at the end of it, he was like, all right, sweet. Uh, pretty much told me I was hired. And then I think I had a mini heart attack because um, I did not expect that. Uh, and then but the rest was just, uh, and then we, he was like, all right, we got to open this brewery and you have to build it. And I was like, oh. <laughs> so that was a, that was a whole set of challenges. Cause I, I was, you know, I had brewed in breweries, uh, but building a brewery and designing one is a whole different thing. Um, ben didn't have much to do with that other than um, telling me to do it. <laughs> and uh, for me, and I was a little bit like, wait, what? And then I was just like, I need so many things. Um, but it was really cool because it was, you know, I got to build a brewery and make it like what I wanted for the most part, um, you know, because there's not my money involved. <laughs> Thank you. <Yeah>. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, cool. that was really, that was really cool. What were some of your must-haves when designing your own brewery, especially given that you had worked at such an interesting one before? What were some of the things you knew you wanted to incorporate? Oh, gosh. I mean, I wanted to make things not super difficult. <laughs> so all the things that... Uh, so not in um, German? No German? <laughs> there's no German. No, we have an alpha system. And, you know, uh, alpha's great. And they had for the price, like you just can't, the automation for the price on a three and a half barrel system is insane. It's honestly over-engineered. And I was like, what? And they're like, yeah, it comes with that. And I was like, all right, I'll take it. Fine. It's like, it's like, I wanted a Toyota Corolla 
And they were like, yeah, but how about you have this like Mustang with the, the, the full Bluetooth package? And you're like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, I mean, the stuff that I really was like, we have to do this was, uh, you know, the, the brew house already came with a rake and a plow that came standard. And I was like, sweet, <laughs> no more stirring. Um, and then I was like, we have to have a trench drain and flooring. I really wanted to have flooring. I didn't want to do it on a concrete floor just because <sighs> A, slope drains are nice, even though ours aren't really sloped. The guys didn't do it right, but um, sloping is nice, but also just because it's, I like everything super clean. So like having, having a floor that's nice and coated, um, that's not going to get all dinged up. And once you have concrete, it's just going to eat it away. And uh, no one wants to deal with that down the road. Um, I'm trying to remember like all the things that are just like, we have to have this. I think I was pretty flexible, but uh, you know, just, just all the standard equipment, the grain handling. Um, we have, we have a mill. I told him I wanted a mill. I didn't want to get pre-crushed grain. It gives me a little bit of the heebie-jeebies uh, to let crushed grain sit around and maybe go stale. I like the, I like to crush it. it. Makes me feel better. Yeah. It's like um, coffee. It's like coffee. Yeah. You, you, like, you, you want the beans. Yeah. You want to, you want the beans. Yeah. You, grind it you every get morning. brewers long from doing it. You know, you, yeah. you don't do it. It's not worth it. Um, exactly. <laughs> you know, um, just pretty much, I think making sure that the brewery is going to be operational and, uh, you know, have everything that I want. I mean, there is some, I need, I told him we had to have a flow meter. I was like, you have to buy this thousand dollar flow meter. And he was like, why? I was like, cause I need it. Cause if something <laughs> goes wrong and I need to figure out how many gallons are going into it, I need it. Um, you know, Little little things like that. I also didn't want to grain out. Uh, we have a dock height dock. So getting grain out for the, the farmer is a little bit tricky because uh, we don't have a forklift inside. Um, and I was like, we are not doing the trash can thing, guys. I was like, we're not doing it. I'm old, I'm tired. You're young and whatever, but I don't want you to break your back. So we actually, uh, we spent a little extra to get these, you know, you pound jack the bin underneath the mash tun and it just does the thing. and all of my, my newbies have no idea how much worse it can be. Uh, stuff, you know, stupid little things like that. <laughs> so uh, one of the things that drew me to Necromancer from the start, um, you know, before I even ask this question, I have to ask, what are you drinking tonight? I am drinking, so we, this is called Demo Reel. We just canned it uh, two days ago. Uh, it's a hazy IPA, but uh, so when we when we started, obviously I am not a hazy IPA brewer. I will say that I am now, but when I started, I have worked at Pimp. I had maybe made one hazy IPA in my life. Um, so when we started, our house at uh, IPA was called Any IPA Ever. And I kept tweaking it because I wanted it to be better. Um, and then I figured out finally, and I think I think our our hazies are. I like them. The, the way I do hazies is if I take it home and drink it on my own time, then it's good. If not, I won't drink it. And the, the any I didn't take home for the first six, six iterations <laughs> until I took it home. Um, and now we kind of have our hazy brands, but we wanted a hazy brand that we could kind of mess around with, whether that be different hops from what we've been using, try different processes. So this is the first one. Uh, we tried to make this a little bit more like a Vermont style uh, New England IPA where it was a little bit more forward on the bitterness. So we, we messed around with the, uh, the bitterness on the, hot, the hops on the hot side. Uh, so this is gonna be our little playtime one. So that, that's what this one is. It's kind of the same, uh, it's the same, uses the same hops as our house, which is uh, Simcoe Mosaic and Citra. Uh, and we just, we just messed around with it. So it's a nice way for me to because I'm always like, well, why do I want to use these hops? When can I use yeast? <laughs> and they're like, well, it's not to brand. And I'm like, yeah, it's a brand. Uh, so <laughs> now I have now I have a playground for that. Uh, so yeah, it's it, it's exciting because I'm drinking Pacific Gravity. I have and, that one. That's my next one. See. Yeah, there you go. I, my next one is obviously the Grisette you sent me. Um, but Pacific Gravity, you you just talked about how it's uh your, the beer you're drinking is more of a Vermont style, which us East Coasters, luckily us Philadelphia area people know 
because we've been getting pretty regular shipments of heady topper focal banger you know you're going to taste something a little bit more bitter forward a little bit more uh dank you know it's four we talked about it being 420 earlier um and the fact that it's not going to look murky creamy like your typical you know other half for trillium or monkish ipa um and you talked about the three hops that you uh used in the beer you're drinking now uh wait you said um mosaic citra and what was the third one was it galaxy Oh, Simcoe. Simcoe. So yeah, Simcoe. So your beer is Simcoe and Citra and Mosaic. My beer is Simcoe, Citra and Centennial. And it's so interesting to see how that switcheroo on the Centennial and the Mosaic, you know, Centennial being such a classic West Coast hop. And the West Coast IPA I'm enjoying right now is fantastic. It's so Thank true to style. Um, I haven't had a West Coast IPA this perfect in a long time. <laughs> so I just want I, I actually, I was like, thinking like you you know you told me that there was beer on the way and i was like just in case it doesn't get here i'm gonna get a pittsburgh area beer and the first the what i found was hitchhikers ramen profit uh you know being also a west coast ipa so i knew like when i saw this west coast ipa arrive i was so excited because i was like hey i wanted a west coast ipa this is perfect um but now the question i was originally gonna ask because i talk way too much um you are from what I've read, doing a lot of uh, wonderful work in terms of social issues and, uh, you know, with your owners as um, major support uh, within the Pittsburgh brewing community, um, specifically um, looking at your um, diversity nights that you do, your industry diversity nights, and then kind of previewing ahead of your um, pride, uh, pride festival um, programs that you're doing. Um, can you talk a little bit about the importance of social issues in the brewing industry? And can you talk specifically about some of the things that Necromancer is doing to kind of promote equality, gender equality, or racial equality? You know, you can even, even touch on the code of conduct you guys have on the website. Sure. Uh, I mean, I think in every industry, uh, diversity and inclusion is important, especially um, nowadays. I mean, for me, it, it seems like it should be something that's on everybody's mind, but it's not, which is kind of a bummer. Um, so I think, you know, especially in the brewing industry, especially, sure, obviously everyone has seen kind of the things that have happened over the past two years with Instagram and everything. So it kind of came to light that like, hey, we really need to work on this. Um, so I think it's super important for the brewing industry because obviously we need to work on this. Um, and it's really great to have, to work for a place uh, that allows uh, me to kind of spearhead some of these things and also to work for a place that it is also one of their big priorities. Uh, one of the first couple meetings I had with Ben, he, he was like, I, I want to make it as inclusive as possible. I want to hire diverse. I want, you know, have a diverse tap, tap room. Like I really want this to be one of the things we do. And I was like, perfect, me too. Um, so it's great, you know, and so we, we've done a couple things. We did Great Noise in October. Before that we did, before we were even we open yet. Can't remember if we are open or if we are just opened, but we did a, it, with the Diversity Council in Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh Brewery Diversity Council has a series called She Knows Beer. We collabed with the Diversity Council and with Trace to do a She Knows Beer which was great. Um, and then we, we started along with Trace to host a monthly industry diversity uh, happy hour. And that was actually Nina and I's idea. Nina is my assistant brewer um, idea because you know we were, we were talking and um, Pink Boots has, has a women's happy hour. We have female identifying happy hour uh, that happens every now and then. And I was like, yeah, but what about everybody else? Like, let's, what can we do to have everyone, you know, cause like, what about so-and-so they don't get a happy hour or so-and-so they don't get a happy hour. Like, why don't we just have an industry diversity happy hour where folks can feel comfortable, talk to other folks in the industry. If, if they want to trying to get into the industry, have people that are like them that they can chat with uh, to get into the industry. You know, when I, when I started, there wasn't many women in the Pittsburgh brewing scene. Now there's a ton, which I'm totally pumped about. Um, but like you, 
you don't want to ask people that aren't like you sometimes tough questions like did you have to like go to a gym and work out a bunch to carry a 55 pounds of grain? <laughs> you know like stuff like that or like just even if it's a brewing question you're like well how do you do this or what's your mash tip for that even that you're like oh, I don't want them to be like I'm just a girl and I don't know what I'm talking about so it's nice to have a place where you can go be around people who are like you and feel comfortable enough to ask questions socialize connect uh, network. So that was a big thing. And then being, a, you know, being queer myself uh, and, you know, my assistant brewer is also queer. It's, it's a, it's a big uh, deal for both of us. And I was like, you know, there had, Trace did a, they did a pride in the parking lot, pride in the alleyway thing last year uh, for like one day. And I was like, what, if, what if we just throw a whole pride fest, like have a brewery that, that throws a whole fest and like we do like a couple days and, you know, make it for everybody and showcase other organizations and other breweries that are also queer aligned uh, and doing great things. Um, and then have some local businesses and do some collabs. And, and Ben was like, yeah, let's do it. And so we're gonna do this uh, Pride Fest. Um, so it's gonna be June 9th through the 11th. Um, and so Thursday night will be a female identifying ladies night with drag king show uh and this crush happy hour which is also like a happy hour for for uh for lesbians and, and queer folks and then friday night will be a dance party with formosa and formosa for people who don't know uh pittsburgh has this uh dj uh dance party thing called jellyfish formosa is one of the djs there and then saturday is kind of the big big the big day uh, so from 12 to 4, we'll have bands, and we're going to have uh, other breweries that are doing great things uh, for the queer community and our queer aligned selling beer and hanging out. And we're going to have um, some tables of other queer organizations and, and queer businesses to kind of show them off. And then in the evening, we're going to have such, it's, there's so many things. <laughs> uh, in the evening, we're going to have kind of a set change, uh, and we're going to have a uh, uh, a drag queen show with honey and most beautifulest and uh still have the breweries there uh it should be a banger um i'm gonna be very tired after this fest but uh we're also doing uh three collab beers for the fest we're doing one with uh, leona's ice cream sandwiches because they're queer owned we're doing one with pigeon bagels they are also queer owned and we're doing one with valkyrie donut um so yeah it's just it's a it's going to be a banger uh, I'm really excited about it. I'm also excited to have something where if queer folks don't feel like they can go to a brewery or aren't comfortable going to a brewery, this is like the place they can go and have fun and, and do the thing. Um, so I'm, I'm pretty excited. We're donating most of the proceeds to Sisters PGH um, because for us, it's not about making money. It's about just putting on a, a really fun time and, and advocating and showing off all the, the, the great queer businesses that are in, in town so i know chris has a follow-up for you and chris i'm gonna let you do it but i just wanted to talk about the goosebumps that went down my arm when you said a set change yeah as a theater guy you know it was a nice little time i was like she just say a set change well, I, I know the, i know those uh you know many a set change chris go ahead sorry <laughs> well i just wanted to shout out i mean i don't even know where to start but that's that's a plethora of things right there of ways that you're taking you and the necromancer team are taking values that you have and incorporating them into the work that you do and are seeing the change that you wish were out there and that a lot of us wish were out there and actually making it happen. And then in addition to that, you said something that I want to like go back to for a sec to kind of thank you for saying, you mentioned saying that as a female working in the brewing industry, there can be times when you might feel like, gee, can I ask this question without feeling judged? Can I ask this question without feeling like, you know, an outsider? And I, I work with students um, on the high school level, and we talk a lot about stereotype threat, which is this idea that like when we get self-conscious or feel like an outsider, we run stereotypes through our mind of like, shoot, am I going to fall into this or that category? What are they going to think of me? And it ties in with imposter syndrome where like, I have a tendency to doubt myself, even though, you know, I'm good at what I do. And 
I just appreciate you mentioning that along with all of these other things, because I think the juxtaposition of all of these amazing accomplishments that you've had with that insight into like, yeah, and I'm a person and I have doubts too. I just think that's so, that's such an important thing to hone in on. So I appreciate you mentioning that. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, I mean, it's great. I didn't mention the code of conduct. We do have the code of conduct posted. Um, yeah, I mean, it's we did it for braid noise and honestly, it's just important for us. Like we're having the, uh, the Philly Invades, uh, Breweries and PA, Philly Invades Fest, you know, and that was something we said to all the breweries. We're like, this is our code of conduct. Uh, just so you are aware, this is what we tolerate. This is what we don't. If you kind of have a problem with it, just stay home. <laughs> uh, but it's, I mean, and that's something that Ben did. Ben was like, oh yeah, I threw it in there. You think that's good? And I was like, yeah, it's great. And it's just, it's great to have a, somebody who's running a business that way, just being like, no, this is what we believe in. This is what we stand for. We will not allow anything like that come into the, into the building. It's just, it's just great. Um, uh, and it's great that it's public. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, and, you know, looking on your website, I mean, there, it's not necromancer does not have the most involved website. It's like, this is what's happening. This is our calendar. You know, what's happening next. This, these are the beers that are available. Here's our code of conduct. And I appreciate that because it's, it's right there on the main page. You hit the link, you go to it. I read through the whole thing um, a couple of days ago. And because to me, you know, and Chris, we go out of our way, not go out of our way. There's nothing out of our way to, we make sure we say every episode, you know, we are two white straight males who are talking about beer, which is very, you know, talking about, you know, um, kind of being a cliche or being like a stereotype, you know, we are it, you know, and we want to make sure that we are constantly learning. You know, I wanted to learn. So looking at your website and looking at your code of conduct and seeing what's important to your company, your brand, the people who work there was really um, educating. And um, as an educator, you know, as, as an educator myself, it's so important to make it clear, you know, to make it clear, this is what we stand for. This is what's important to us. This is how we're going to establish our goal. You know, this is how we're going to establish our business. This is how we're going to achieve our goals. So I really appreciate the fact that that code of conduct is right there. Um, we've been lucky to talk to a lot of Philly area brewers and brewery owners who have uh, had a similar plight to you guys. Um, you know, we've, we've talked to Melissa Walter at Love City, who uh, is now on the uh, board at the Brewers Guild, and she's doing very similar work to what you guys are doing. And I'm sure a lot of that work is kind of like intermingling. Um, so it's really great to see the work that you guys are doing, but how important is it to have brewery owners, to work for owners who are so in line with how you are, you know, let's, you know, let's call, let's be fully, you know, let's disclose fully, you know, you've mentioned you are a female brewer, female, and there are other female presenting brewers, you are um, queer brewer as well, and you talked about the importance of that, how important is it for you to feel so supported by your owners? It's amazing. Uh, it's, it is important. And, you know, um, I don't know, you know, it's like, it's tough because like you work places and you don't, it's not necessarily a thing. Uh, or I try not to make it a thing. Because um, I just want to brew beer. But also when you have somebody that is an owner that that says, I want to do this, A, I'm like, sweet, I want to work for you. Uh, and B, it's like, great. Now you're going to help me make this better. Uh, you know, there, there's other places I've worked for where it's not really a priority. And I don't think it's like, I wouldn't say it's not really a priority. I would say it's not on the radar. Uh, and intentional or not, you know, but it's not there. And so it's not really something you talk about or, you know, but to have, you know, someone who owns a business who is on the same wavelength and wants to make these changes it's amazing for me because A, I get to do something and B, the people who are going to make the change are the people that own the businesses because they're going to be the ones that, that that's where people are spending their money. That's, you know, Ben's the one doing the social media. He's the one creating the business. Um, you know, having, having businesses kind of say, this is what we stand for. This is what we're going to do. These are the changes gonna, we're going to make. These are the hiring practices we're going to do. These are the people we want coming to our business that's going to make change. Uh, and it makes it so much easier for me. And plus I want to work there and I'm so happy working there because we can do these things. I'm like, I want to do an industry happy hour. 
I want to have a pride fest. And he's like, yeah, let's do it. He's even thinking of things uh, that I don't even think of <laughs> to do. So it's so great to have, you know, that support and feel like I could just be myself uh, at the workplace and also have the goals that I have. Cause like my goal of course is to make great beer. Like I love being a brewer, but also being able to use that as another avenue to make people feel more comfortable, to be more inclusive, to, to hire folks that, that might not have the same chance that I did with Ben, like be like, no, like I'm not gonna discriminate against you. Come on, let's, let's work this out. Let's, you know, and, and to make people just honestly, just make people feel comfortable because there, there have been times where I haven't felt great um, and it sucks. And to be able to, to have our hiring practices be a way that it's like not some, you won't, they, people don't have to feel that way. I'm like, yeah, I don't care, <laughs> work. Um, so it's great to give folks the opportunity and, and to, to do the great things that we do. And I, I can't say how great it is to have ownership that, that has the same things in mind and who are constantly trying to make themselves better too, because Ben and Aaron are both white dudes. They're both straight white dudes. <laughs> um, but to have them constantly wanting to learn and constantly trying to make it better is just, it's amazing. Arm, what advice would you give to um, someone in the industry who wants to make a change, but maybe isn't doing that right now? Like how would they start? And in particular, like if you're, um, if you're an owner or a head brewer and you're nervous about, well, if I do these things, am I alienating customers? What advice would you give to those folks? Well, I don't think you would be alienating customers because you're actually getting, if you want a more diverse tap room, you need more customers um, to get the business side of it. But, you know, my advice is don't be scared of it. I mean, we haven't been. I have a, I have a necromancer hat that says bone who you want to bone and has skeletons. And this was not my idea. I did not do this. This was Aaron's idea. Hat. And Ben's idea. And they where do I order this. one? Where do I order one of those hats? <laughs> they showed they're... they showed me this. <laughs> we had sweaters made for the uh, for the brave noise, and they showed me this. And I was like, "Can we do that?" I was like, "I'm cool with it. Like, it's dope." But is this okay? Um, and to have that's them just be like, "I don't I care. It. We're just gonna do it." We sold out of those sweaters in like three days. Mm. Three days. Like, I think you just kind of got to take the leap. Because if it's important to you and it's important to your business, just do it. And you could start small. You could just host a, a happy hour or a meetup if you wanted. Um, I think the biggest things that businesses can do is, you know, the top three on my list is hire diverse. Have that be part of your hiring practices. Have a code of conduct somewhere public. It's important. Um, and then, you know, when folks see that, they see that on your website or on your your uh, job announcement um, or on the job description, then they're like, okay, sweet. Those are little things that you can do, I think, that that make a big change. And then you can roll into like having your own pride if you want. Um, <laughs> luckily I have bosses that are just like, yeah, let's, let's do it, tell ya. Uh, I know that's not for everybody. Some people might be uh, a little more timid, but I think, you know, you can, there's always something that you can do. Host a happy hour, host a get together. Make sure your hiring practices are, are diverse and inclusive. Make sure that that is part of your hiring practices. Uh, and then, yeah, have a code of conduct that does protect your employees. It does protect your, your uh, tap room visitors. Because if you have the code of conduct, then it's just, it's there. And it, and it saves a whole lot of headache on both sides. Well, Lauren, we're really appreciative for all the work that you and your owners are doing at Necromancer. Um, as you know, we've talked about with our other guests, it's yeoman's work. Like it is work that needs to be done and it's people need to listen and people need to understand where, where others are coming from and where others, what others are experiencing. And we could not be more happy that you've shined a light on so many issues within the craft beer industry. Um, before you go and thank you once again for joining us. We're so excited that you came on. I have to ask you because necromancer you know, uh, for anyone who doesn't know, for anyone who does know, the character or the idea of the necromancer is a wizard or a witch who resurrects um, people from the dead. And 
your brewery has resurrected styles from the dead. And there's one particular style I have to ask you about. You guys being a Pittsburgh brewery, us being a Philadelphia area podcast, the good old Pennsylvania swanky. Can you tell us a little bit about just very quickly about that style and uh, why you wanted to brew it or why, uh, you know, Ben wanted to have it brewed um, and uh, tell us a little bit about the history of the style and your version of it. Sure. Uh, So Swanky, it's kind of a regional style they had. Uh, For Pittsburgh, they would put licorice or anise in it. Um, It's kind of like a precursor to soda. uh, Because what they would do is they would ferment in the bottle would have ginger. Some would have ginger and licorice and other spices. And, um, you know, the corks would pop. Uh, That's how pop got its name. I didn't know that's what I read that's 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 what I read so it was kind of like pop but like alcoholic pop um or soda I call it so I grew up in Florida I call everything soda Um, we're 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 Philadelphia area we're soda city we're team soda yeah we're team soda here they think it's pop here I'm not sure yeah yeah Um, pop so they would they would condition it in the bottles and it would pop and that's that's where pop got its name um, at least that's what I read. But uh, I mean, I wanted to make a swank, Pennsylvania swanky because it said Pennsylvania. I was researching uh, historical dead beer styles and Pennsylvania swanky kept coming up. And I was like, well, I kind of have to do this. It says Pennsylvania. I'd be kind of a jerk if I didn't. Um, so it's a dark mild, essentially, uh, because it's off, an, uh, off a Cornish tradition. It's a dark mild that they spiced with anise or licorice. And uh, so we did not spice ours with the anisert licorice. Uh, both are very hard ingredients to work with. And honestly, the TTB will get really mad if you use licorice in certain amounts because I guess it gets heart palpitations. Um, so we, I was like, how can we make this like without uh, licorice in it? Like I wonder if there's hops that have licorice aroma or anise aroma. Uh, and so I was researching hops and these, uh, these hops from Poland came up. Uh, and so we used the hops, uh, Merninka hops. And uh, it worked. It was herbal. It was earthy, and it had a little bit of a anisey spice to it. And so, it, yeah, it worked out. So, yeah, that's that's why we did it. It was a fun style to research, especially the pop. The pop. Well, I I truly appreciate the styles that you guys brew. Um, as someone who's a big lager fan, as someone who is a big saison fan, grisette, I'm really excited to try out. Um, it's very exciting for me to see those styles um, at a, you know, a brewery that's, you know, garnering so much attention. Um, Lauren, we could not be happier to have you on here. Thank you so much for joining us, giving us your time. Uh, we can't wait to come out to Pittsburgh and visit your space and uh, have a beer with you and, um, you oh, know, yeah. see where Necromancer goes from here. So thank you so yeah. much. Thank you for having me. This has been great. Thank you so much. Chris, that was awesome. That that was a fun conversation with, we had technical detail. We had like human interpersonal, just like being a vulnerable and awesome human being. Uh, we covered it all. I, uh, Lauren covered it all, I mean to say. Yeah, I mean, she really did. And it was everything I could have hoped for an, for an interview. She was fantastic. I look forward to seeing more from Necromancer. I mean, she talked about the space getting bigger. She talked about how they are, you know, she talked about off camera or off, not camera, but recording well, off, off mic. camera yeah. and mic. Yeah, off, off mic that, you know, they're, they, they saw the beer regularly because they're, they're getting a lot of fans. And uh, that's Caleb in the background. That's my son in the background. He's, you know, almost three, you know, he wants to be away from dad so many times. Um, so it's it's really cool to see that they're expanding their space. Maybe we'll see more beer coming from them. Maybe even one day, and we didn't ask her about this, but maybe we'll see beer our way in Philadelphia. That would be a, a very exciting for us. So Chris, another great episode, and I look forward to speaking to more people who are doing more great things within the beer industry. Yeah, absolutely. And while we would love for them to send it out to Philly, I'm going to use it as incentive, more incentive to get to Pittsburgh sooner so we can get their beer since we can't get it here. But I know we're, we're hoping to do that anyway. But thank you, everybody, for listening. You can find more episodes of 
Beer People Podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at Beer People Podcast. Same thing on Facebook. And yeah, do the, the like and subscribe and all that stuff. And just like tell people about it and whatnot. And if you know anybody who you would like to put us in touch with, or if you would like to reach out to us, hit us up at beerpeoplepodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. And we'll talk to you again soon.